0: Amen. Church, we stand on some big shoulders. Amen. Pastor Thrasher, thank you so much for being here. Jan, thank you so much for being here. You guys, uh, we would not be here without you. Um, those are the speeches that you give to your parents, and I just want to honor you this, uh, this morning as you come. If you would, join me on, uh, on the stage, Pastor Thrasher. Uh, our superintendent, Pastor Ronnie Morris, is here this morning as well. Yes. I love to honor a humble man because they never like that, you know. Um, Pastor Thrasher, thank you so much for being here today. You know, as I was just thinking about all that you gave to this church, one of the things I know you probably gave the most was your gift of time. Um, And so uh, I, I couldn't think of a better way just to tell you that we appreciate all that you've given. And so we bought you... Uh, a way to track time, as a way (laughs) to remember that when you look down at this watch, my hope is this, is that you'll remember all that you gave here to Harrison Faith. Um, And we love you. We want to honor you. I've asked Pastor Ronnie to pray over us and you today.
1: Father, we are so grateful to be most importantly in your presence For you said, in your presence is fullness of joy, and at your right hand there are pleasures evermore. We're grateful that you've given us the example of being the chief shepherd. But God, I'm so grateful to stand between two of your under-shepherds today. One who had a dream, and a vision for what you wanted in this part of Boone County. But Lord, as I also look at the future and who you have placed... We still remember that you're not done. And you said the glory of the latter house will be greater than the former. And we're believing that. We know that. And as you spoke to us this morning so very clearly, dream on. Keep dreaming. God, I believe that with you all things are possible. There's nothing impossible. But God, we're going to remember this that you are the head over all things to the church. We're grateful for the men that you have placed to lead. But God, their focus is not upon the things on this present world, but their focus is on you. And so, Lord, continue to lead us. Lord, you said you would build your church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And you've proven that over and over again. Today, we trust you more. God, thank you for Brother Thrasher. For God, everything that you allowed him and helped him accomplish. For it's not been by might or power, but by your spirit. But God, as Elijah transferred that, that mantle over to the next generation, God, this next generation is here, and it's a great generation. And Lord, you have promised that, God, you're going to do great things, greater things, greater things. Lord, we're grateful for the 50 years and for the promise of restoration and redemption and uh, and for reproduction. Lord, our hope and our trust is still in you. Bless what has been and bless what's coming. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Amen.
2: Wow, I don't know if I can follow that or not, but let me first of all say it's so great to be here today to renew acquaintances. see a lot of you I haven't seen in quite a long time and see people from the community that don't necessarily go to church here but have come today and first of all my right-hand person not man is my wife and Jen would you stand in case there are those here who've never met her <clears throat> I tell you, I couldn't have done anything that I did without her. Preachers talk about having an accountable person they go to for accountability. Well, you just met her. If I didn't do it right, she'd be the first to tell me. And uh, after 57 years of marriage together, we think alike and finish each other's sentences and everything like that. Thank you Pastor Scott for the invitation of coming today and I am honored beyond belief for the head honcho of the Assemblies of God to be here today as far as Arkansas is concerned. Pastor Ronnie Morris is also a personal friend of ours for many years. Well, I know you didn't come to hear me rattle on about stuff like this, <clears throat> but remember this when you leave today, well, I still can't preach. I never did learn how. Today you're celebrating 50 years in a, as a spirit-filled ministry here in Harrison, Arkansas. Actually, it was April the 20th, 1973, when I first came to Harrison to meet with a group of men who wanted to start another Assembly of God church here. And the reason why I remember that date so specifically is because the devastating tornado that tore up part of Harrison occurred that day, and I came on the eve of that. We met together and discussed pa- per, perhaps pastoring here some for a while, helping then get the church started, and then we decided when we clo- closed our meeting, we would go to J.P. Williams' home. He had lost his car lot, he had lost the fabric store almost lost his wife, Moselle, if he hadn't have pulled her out of the fabric store before the tornado hit. Lost cattle that were taken across the highway and even one calf that was found later quite a number of miles away that the tornado had carried and was still alive. J.P. and Moselle were in this church, a part of this church, as long as they lived, they're both in heaven now. And actually I came as the first pastor here in May of 1973, so I guess that would be the first starting of Faith Assembly of God. We were young, we were in our twenties, our kids were small. My daughter was uh, the oldest child. And she and her husband pastor in Mississippi and have for qu- quite a few years. She has four children and, let's see, six grandchildren. <laughs> I have to look to my wife for help. And my son is a project manager in northwest Arkansas for our firm and lives fairly close to us, and he has three children. And uh, we're just glad to still be alive, this side of the green, and I also also want to mention, uh, you've already met Wes. Wes, Trish, and Casey are here. Would you all stand? Just let them stand because they were here quite a number of years. Wes came on as youth pastor, and then uh, his big forte was, I uh, guess that's not probably the right word, but anyway was worship leader, and he had some, we called them Branson-style productions here on the platform. People came from, the buildings were full. We had standing room only for people to see the productions that Wes and uh, people that worked under him put on here at the church for several years, and then he was the associate pastor. So uh, he and I have longer tender together than probably any of the staff members that I had here, though I had quite a number of them. Our first place of worship when I first came to Harrison was an apartment uh, upstairs apartment that had a outside entrance. It was over Bogle Pawn Shop, who he was in the picture. He and his wife uh, had the bus ministry here, and it was 20 steps up to the top of that apartment, and we uh, I preached behind a chest of drawers. Somebody asked me if I was going to preach behind it today and I said well uh, that's long since been gone but we were there several months. We actually had a high of 90 people that attended church there and it was against the law. They would have closed us down if the health department had come in because it was built as an apartment A third-story apartment because there was a basement under the pawn shop and they rented it out for people to live in two or three not ninety people and we continued to grow like that until we had to do something else this property was necessity something we had to do and so we we bought first of all five acres here and and then Those days were great. They call this the Watkins edition because Mr. Watkins sold us the property and this edition was built in memory of him. Shirley Lee is here today. Shirley, would you mind standing? Because Shirley came to the upstairs apartment with her two sons, Keith and, and Steve, and she has been a part of the church ever since. I think she's the only one that appeared in the upstairs apartment that still stuck with it. She watches most of the time at home now, but thank you, Shirley. Within a year we had to get to the property, so the district had double-wide mobile churches they used to start new works with, and I don't know how many they had, but we used the one that was the last one to be used because It was in Springdale Faith Assembly, helped start the church there, and it was moved over here to the front of the uh, property, and you'd freeze to death in the summer and burn up in the winter because the insulation had all shook down. Okay, I said something wrong. (laughs) I never could get reading lips. But anyway, the property here was used with the double-wide mobile church until we broke ground that same year for this 5,000 square foot building. And there were trials in the beginning, and I told some of these, but I'm going to tell some things today that... uh, of interest to those that were new in the congregation. And my goodness, there are so many new faces that I don't know, which is great. That's a sign of a healthy church and a good pastor. And uh, so, you know, we had trials in those days. But they were all outside the church. They were not in the church, praise God. The addition got upset at us because we planted a church here where the natural flow of the water went. So it circled around the church when it come the flooding rains and go into that addition. <laughs> and the strangest thing, they had their hot water heaters about this four below ground under the house. And guess who got called to come and light their hot water heater after we had a flooding rain <clears throat> that became a normal situation, there was all due respect given. There was a couple that lived, a former judge in the, in the addition, and they had been promised that they might be able to buy the property behind them. So they were very alarmed when the church bought the five acres. And, and uh, I heard that they were going to file a lawsuit against the people that sold it to us. So uh, I thought, well, I'll get ahead of the game. I was young, stupid. I'd pastor First Church for four years and had evangelized before that and so I cut my teeth here. So I thought I'll just go down and when they find out we're not going to put a hog farm behind their beautiful home, then they'll be happy with it. I was wrong. (laughs) She stepped from that door and said, young man, let me tell you something you drive a nail in that wood up there to build a church, you'll pull it out with your teeth. (laughs) But the time came as years went by when they actually came to church here one service. (laughs) So what goes around comes around. God is good. We were gone for nine years because I had a church full of new Christians. And I didn't know a lot about pastoring. And, you know, it was just a challenge. So we had a chance to go to Oklahoma to another new work and, and pastor there, in which we did for four years. And then we went to Pine Bluff, Arkansas for five years to pastor an established church. But every year, this church would call us back because they didn't have much to offer and pastors didn't stay very long. So, and I never think it was God's will for you to do what you've done before, for you to go back. And I said no so long that the Lord finally wouldn't let me say no anymore, so I came, I agreed to come back. The church, the the paved road was dirt road then, the parking lot was not paved. People, when it rained a lot, and it did a lot, would sink down to their axles, the records would have to pull them out. It was a very... Uh, deplorable place to invite people to come. (laughs) Except for the people who were wonderful. But the people were all, most of them were discouraged because they hadn't been able to keep a pastor. And they said, well, this pastor will be there for a little while even though he started the church and he'll be gone then. But I never intended to stay as long as I did. It was never, I promise, it was never in my plans to stay over four or five years then I'd go on and let somebody else come but thirty years came about and I was still here and everybody wondered is he ever going to leave? And <laughs> Finally we did leave back in 2016 December when I declared retirement. A lot of changes took place during those first years that we were here. It wasn't long before we built uh the the building and then we decided to build onto the building this was an impossible situation it was never thought to be feasible we wouldn't be able to find people to loan us money some of you are here today who were a part of the church at that time and i appreciate it so much your faithfulness in staying with the church In 1992, we dedicated this sanctuary, a miracle it was, and we stayed until it was paid for. I mean, the loans may have been extended, and you may still be making payments, but it's not on this building. And a couple of years later, they wanted to build a family life center, and I thought, oh, my goodness, we just got through building. How in the world can we build a family life center? None of the other churches had one. And so... God worked it out. We built a much inferior family life center than some of the other churches that built after we did. But we started that trend, which became popular in this area. So, I want to give my, express my recognition to the original church body, whose very few are here today. Some of the children of those are here today whose sacrificial living and sacrificial giving gave birth to this wonderful dream. But the only thing I can think of to tell you what made this church work was not me, but it was prayer. This church was baptized in prayer. I'm telling you, we prayed more than we did anything else. We had prayer meetings, Friday night prayer meetings, Wednesday night prayer meetings, Monday night prayer meetings, during the day day prayer meetings, Sunday before church prayer meetings, prayer meetings back in the back while I preached. The men gathered back there for quite a long time and prayed, and then the women, they decided they should start one, so they started one on the other side. So it was baptized in prayer. It wasn't me, it was prayer. The Bible says in the book of Ephesians, chapter 2, and verse 19 and 22, Now therefore you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and and members of the household of God, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom the whole building, being joined together, grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are built together for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. And then the Bible says in Matthew 16, verse 13 through 18, when Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, He asked His disciples, saying, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And they said, Some say John the Baptist, some Elijah. Others, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He said to them, But who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered and said, You are Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And listen to this, And I also say to you, that you are Peter, and on this rock, not Peter, but on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. A church is not great because of its location. When we came back after being gone for nine years, and the church continued to grow, and we exploded in growth until we had to do something, we toyed with the board, toyed with relocating the church. Because Harrison was growing towards Branson, not this way. But we had the property here and bought some more acreage to go with it and decided to stay here. We had to do tons of uh, advertising to let people know where the church was. And one of the things that enhanced that was the productions that Wes did while he was here that got us acquainted with the community because we're not actually in the flow of things. But a church isn't great because of a location. A church is great because of the power of God. Read in the Bible about John the Baptist who preached the gospel and the power of Elijah. He wasn't in a great place. He was in a desert area. And his pulpit was probably a rock if they had big rocks in those days and the pews was the burning sands of the desert but people came by the thousands to hear the message by this man of God and to see what God was doing because he was changing people's lives I say they came to see the man because John the Baptist wore camel's hair and leather girdle he ate locusts and wild honey he was a weird preacher But he didn't care what people thought about him. He told it like it was. And they liked it or lumped it. And most of them liked it and joined it. And it became a revolution that spread from there around the world and is still going on today, thousands of years later. There was something that was different about the message of this strange man. When Jesus came along and preached the Sermon on the Mount, It wasn't in a beautiful edifice, it was on the shores of the Sea of Galilee, and he sat on a rock, I assume, and people gathered around him, and he gave the greatest sermon that people had ever heard. The point is, a great location doesn't guarantee a great church. It's not where you are that counts, it's what you are that matters to God. What happens in this place is more important than the place is. I always prayed, God, hide me behind the cross. Don't let people go away saying the pastor was so-and-so. People go, let people go away saying God was there. That's where our needs were met. You are somebody in the Lord in that church. And the presence of the Lord is what made the difference. I have a practice for quite a number of years of reading the Bible through every year and probably a lot of you do too. I encourage it if you don't. But I'm already in the book of 1 Kings and I've been reading, uh, I'm retired, what else do you do? If you're not busy, your wife finds something for you to do. But anyway, I was reading about Solomon. Solomon was the son of David and became the great king of Israel and was quite a man of God. He was wealthy and God blessed him. He had wisdom. God used him. And David was not able to build a temple for God because David had been a man of war. But God said, your son will build it. So David had the plans all set out for the The great temple to be built and the plans were drawn by God himself and was given to David and it was called a house of prayer. The Bible tells us, well the Bible doesn't tell us this, smarter men than me and that's not hard to find. But they say that the temple required 183,600 men to build the temple and it took seven years for that temple to be built. And it took 20 tons of gold because almost everything was overladen with gold. It was one of the rarities of the world of that day. It is said that even the furniture in the temple was covered with gold. The building was built without the sound of a hammer, without the buzz of a saw. Not that they had electric uh, saws back then, but the Bible but the Bible tells us it was built, they carried the products in from elsewhere and built the temple. Now I don't know if this is true, so don't quote me saying Pastor Thrasher said it was true. But those 4,000 instruments in the orchestra that made up the orchestra in the temple of God, it's, it is said that the trump, trumpets alone cost a million dollars in today's world it would have cost for those things to be built. Probably they were made out of gold. And the choir robes and the priest robes cost in the millions. To build that today, listen to this. To build that temple today would be something like 174 billion, 422 million. So by Solomon's standards, we're slumming it today. But it was built for the glory of God. Everything was new in that place. Everything was new, except when they got to bring the presence of God in. They said, go out and get us the old ark. The old ark where the presence of God, where the Ten Commandments are, where there are relics of the past to remind us of where we came from. Go out and dust that old ark back off and bring it back, bring it here to the temple of God, and that's what made that place great. You see, without God's power, this is nothing but a building, nothing but carpet and tues, nothing but bricks and mortar. But when God's power comes in, When Jesus shows up, it becomes the place where God can meet the needs of His people. It becomes God's church. That's what makes this church great. My prayer to God during the years, and I had early morning prayer meetings sometimes by 5 o'clock of the morning, and I wasn't an early morning person until God changed me around. But anyway, my prayer to God was, let me say this, Some people thought I was an idiot because I would fight devils around these altars praying early in the morning. And one morning, there was a guy came in to work on the baptistry and caught me right in the middle of casting out devils. I know they thought I probably had a devil too. But God made himself real. I learned a lot here. Let me just tell this. I think I mentioned it at the retirement sermon, but I prayed, God, let angels fill this place. Let fire fall in this place. Well, I never did see any fire fall in this place, but there were times after the sanctuary was built, one day in particular when the secretary said, I keep getting calls from people. We need to go check the church because they say the church is on fire. Well, actually it was probably the steam from the sun shining on a cold roof and it was going up. It wasn't on fire, but at least people who drove by thought this church could have been on fire. <laughs> I prayed God let angels come. Brother Don Jones, who is here today, was, started a prayer meeting Sunday morning before church started uh, for the men of the church. And we would come and gather and pray, and I usually found myself on the platform walking back and forth praying, getting ready for the day. And I swear, this is truth. I didn't tell it for a long time because I didn't figure people would believe. And now I've got to the place where it did not matter if people believe it or not. I know it happened. I can shut my eyes and still see from that door all the way around to that door there were angels standing they were huge. They were much taller than me. And you wonder if they had wings? Well, I don't know if yours does, but mine did. And they were all folded by their side and they all had swords in their hand. And I can still see it when I close my eyes. Even today, I did this morning. I closed my eyes and thought about that and saw the, the angels standing around defending the church. They were God's protection. I still often call for God's warring angels to come and defend the church. And I prayed, God, let your Holy Spirit abide in this play. In this day, and still today, the day of adversaries, the day of trouble and trials, and twisted and battered and bruised and broken lives, my prayer in those days was, I ask you, dear Jesus, Be the rose of Sharon. Be the lily of the valley. Be the bright and morning star. Be the prince of glory. Let your power convince men of sin. Let the healing balm of Gilead break disease. Let the captive go free from our church services. Let depression and despair and defeat be broken. Let the shout of the king be heard among the righteous as we march forth to victory. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. And it would happen. It didn't happen because of me. It happened because God was here. Make this church your church, I prayed. Then we can touch this community for you, not for us. And I'll make sure you get all the glory for it, Lord. The foundation is what makes this church great. The rock clause was found in that scripture I read in Matthew 16, 18, where... Jesus said to Peter on this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. The church will not strive or or survive, the word would be, the church will not survive because of us. It will survive in spite of us. In spite of all the critics who have tried to belittle it. In spite of all the things our friends have done to try to misrepresent it. The church stands triumph today because it is built on the solid rock and that rock is Jesus Christ. It stands firm today. The church has a lot of critics but it has no rivals. It is eternal today because it is built on the solid rock. This church has had some problems. No church is exempt from them because it is made up of human beings. Like yourself and myself. You've had some negative press. But the church has survived. And the church will survive. When the hands of time have blasted the rocky mountains. Level with the sands of the ages. The church of Jesus Christ will still be triumphed. Because it is on the solid rock. A solid rock. Jesus Christ, if you're here today and you're suffering this morning with a broken heart, if your dreams have been shattered, I advise you go to the rock. If your home is under attack or your marriage seems to be falling apart, are you standing on sinking sand today? Go to the rock. That's the answer today. Your answer is not in the white house or in my house. Your answer is in this house. It's where the presence of God abides. If, you don't, if I don't ask you to come to a beautiful church, it's because I say, come to the rock. The rock, Christ Jesus. Are you weary? Are you depressed today? Are you full of anxiety and stressed out today? Are you at a place where it looks like you're going to come unraveled? Then I'd like to say, if your life is unraveled, go to that rock. The song used to go when you need a shelter, when you need a friend, go to the rock. The rock is Christ Jesus. I'm proud to be a part of something that is so solid we can't mess it up if we just stay hand in hand with Him. You are destined today to success, faith church, through Jesus Christ our Lord. The church is great because not only the foundation, but also its force. The Bible says in Acts 4 verse 33, with great power, the church is born in power. The day of Pentecost was not a myth. The day of Pentecost was a fact. It was just a 10-day prayer meeting. And then came the wind and the fire that filled the house and flames on the top of the people. It was divine power through prayer. The church was great in the New Testament because it was a supernatural church. And I'd like to announce to you, if a church is not supernatural, it's not natural. I believe the Bible is supernatural. I believe salvation is supernatural. Divine healing is supernatural. The baptism of the Holy Ghost is supernatural and is still relevant for today's world. Jesus Christ, our rock, is supernatural. A man couldn't walk out of his own grave. That's not dull stuff, friend. Amen. The Bible tells us in John 1 and verse One, the Bible says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. You see, Jesus just steps out and flips his fingers, and behold, the world came into existence. The earth was formed in a moment of time at his speaking the Word. How big is your God this morning? You come with troubles and trials and things that I've already mentioned. You feel God is not big enough to meet your needs? We rely on everything else, every social service that comes around. And God is the last option we often turn to. How big is your God today? Get Him out of the box today. I want to tell you something about God. Jesus flipped His fingers and it all came into being. Men marvel still today, thousands of years after the creation of the world, about this world and the worlds to come. Let me tell you something about this world. We live in one little area of this huge universe. There are many, I'll call them, star states out there, clusters of stars. We just live in one. One little galaxy called the Milky Way. That's where you and I live. That's what we build our life on. That's what our homes sit on today. We live in the suburbs on what is called planet Earth. Downtown to the sun is 93 million miles. To the next star city in our star state is 26 trillion miles. From one side of town to the other in our star city is 6 billion miles. Put that in your... We don't believe in smoking. But anyway. There are 400 billion star cities. 400 billion star cities. We're one star city, the Milky Way. There are 400 billion star cities. And there are 100 billion star states. And the Bible says, grip your pew, this is going to shock you, God knows them all by name. All those billions of stars out there, the God that you think isn't big enough to meet your need in this service today, knows every one of them by name. Praise God. That's how big God is. We live on planet Earth, 93 billion mi- million miles to downtown. Six billion miles across. 26 trillion miles to the next star city. And there are 400 billion star cities and 100 billion star states. And Jesus just flipped his finger and all that fell in place. And people still marvel at it today. You can go out in space and you can go and go and go and you'll never reach the end of it unless you reach the courts of God in the north going to happen one of these days. If He could do all of that, then I tell you, why can't He hold this church in the palm of His hands? Why can't this church be the church that God raised it up to minister to this community? He's the same Creator. Keep in mind, jot this down in your little book who walked down the starry steps of heaven, virgin born in the city of Bethlehem, brought up in Nazareth, baptized in Jordan, performed miracles by the roadside, healed multitudes with no medication, and never charged for His service. At Calvary He died for the sins of the world, went into the grave, cleaned it out, and made it a pleasant place for us to dwell one of these days temporarily. Nothing is going to destroy Him. He's going to always be here. It doesn't matter what the atheistic people of this world don't believe in. We still believe we have a God and He's on the throne. i tell you what. They couldn't bury Him. They couldn't bury Him. He refused to die. He walked out of the grave. They couldn't burn Him up because in the fiery furnace... He refused to burn. They couldn't drown Him in the Sea of Galilee. He just got up and walked on top of the waves of the Sea of Galilee. They couldn't hold Him in the grave because if you don't believe it, hang around until Easter. This church is going to have a resurrection service on Sunday morning in honor of the One who rose from the grave and is still alive today. They couldn't burn Him. They couldn't drown Him. They couldn't... Bury Him. There is power in the name of Jesus. And let me tell you something. You can claim that promise for your own life today because Isaiah, my favorite verse in the Old Testament, chapter 43 and verse 2, says, When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. And when you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, nor shall the flames scorch you. I am the Holy Why, I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior forever. That, my friend, is the hope that we stand on today. Put your hope in a God who is still alive. He's not sick. He's not even thinking about being sick. The only one that is sick is the devil. And he's going to be sick until God condemns him to hell. And then we'll be rid of him forever. Let's stand together today. The force of the church is the power of God. A lot of people say I don't go to church anymore because it's so dull. How did it get so dull? How did this church sure isn't dull or this morning sure wasn't? How did it get so dull? Could it be because we've substituted holiness for hype? Righteousness for ritual? We've forgotten the upper room for the supper room. We have mastered a form of religion, but we have forgotten the force of religion, which is the power of God. You've come today not because you have a young pastor that's got a healthy body and can jump around more than me and can be used by God in this community to touch this community. But I want to tell you something. The foundation is built on the solid rock. Jesus Christ is the reason why this church is in existence today. This was never my church. I was guilty in the beginning. I've referred to it like a lot of pastors do, not really meaning it like that. My church. Come and go to my church Till one day... I come up against some trouble in the church. (laughs) I said, oh God, what are we going to do? Help us. And he said, it's your church. Go ahead. (laughs) Ever since that time, I declared, this is God's church. It's not my church. Guess what? It's not your church either. It's God's church. And if it truly is, then the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. You've got to stay in there, hang on, don't turn loose, keep believing God, keep being faithful to God, quit trying to find someplace else where the fire is falling, make it fall here. If you don't like some things the pastor's doing, best thing is pray for him. Pray for him. Because in doing so, the Lord will either change him or change you. It happened to me so many times. Let's, right where you're standing, make that commitment to God. This might not be your home church. You may be visiting from another church. That's okay. Take it back to your church. Revivals falling on college campuses, not just Asbury, many other places. All the critics I've read, I say, why criticize something so awesome as the move of God Let's make that commitment to God. Jan may sing something. I don't know. if You want? She'll want to play that grand piano one last time. And this may be the last message I preach here. That's okay. Because the message will be preached and the church will go on. Regardless of what happens, God as the church in His hand.